We're worshiping the Lord in advance for all that he's about to do and the lives that he's about to change. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We give you honor and glory and praise. We remember the day that you changed our lives. We remember today, Lord God, on the anniversary that we gave you everything. And we don't regret the decision. We don't regret the movement. We don't regret the time. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. It was the best move we've ever done in our lives. Our lives have never been the same. You've been covering us ever since then. And we thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We are celebrating the times and the years that have gone by. It has been a good time, Lord God. And we bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm excited to be here. If you're joining us here on live, welcome. Baptism Sunday. We're excited about it. We, we, take, we take this time, and if you see uh, everyone, uh, we, uh, on Baptism Sunday, we, we kind of come together, and everybody wears a house of worship shirt. It's kind of our, our tradition, right, to stand together in unity for our brothers who are uh, giving their lives, uh, some of them youth. We have uh, two of our younger brothers and sisters who are giving their lives to the Lord today. The great, the great Commission, he said, I want you to go out, told his disciples, go out to all the world, and whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. And so in obedience to the word of Jesus Christ, we continue that commission over 2,000 years. Jesus is still saving today. Isn't that wonderful? This is, yeah, praise the Lord for it. This is the one thing that technology will never, will never take out of date. Baptism will never get out of style. It'll, it'll never get obsolete. Until the last day, salvation will continue to go on. Amen? And we'll continue to celebrate it all the way to the end. Because this is the job that we're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. So we'll continue to talk about that. So I just want to, to shout them out. Today we have Joanna Tran is going to get baptized. Uh, Gabriel Duran. Natania Moreira. And our very own sister Heidi Otero. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're going to be celebrating with them right after, uh, as soon as we finish the message today. All right. Uh, tonight, we are uh, not having the Zoom call with the brothers uh, because it's a Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's about all I have to say about that. Uh, we might have it, but nobody's going to get on. So we're just, we're not even going to try. Okay. But Monday night, uh, we will be back on the Zoom at 8 p.m. Amen. We are fellowshipping on the book of Ephesians. We're going to be finishing the book of Ephesians. 
How many of you are having a wonderful time uh, learning about the book of Ephesians, right? So we're going to finish that. We hope that you have been uh, enjoying that. We've been taking three Mondays to finish it, uh, and we're going to review what we have been learning. Uh, we have Minister Andy who takes her time and reviews the sermon from Sunday, and that has also been very, very effective. Has that been effective? Right? It's good. You know, sometimes you need that extra time to kind of recap what happens on Sunday, and so we take that time, probably the first 20 minutes of the call. And so if you're watching online, if you're on YouTube streaming live, and you want to get in on that, uh, we are limited, I think, to 100 people and how many can come on the Zoom. Uh, so we probably have another probably another 20 slots that you're able to, to come in. So uh, how, could, how can we get them on? What's the, what's the phone number for the Zoom? Eight? Yeah, but if somebody's watching, yeah, we'll post it. We'll post it. But in case you ain't going to look at that, it's 862 126 Everybody saying at the same time, I don't know. Five, one person say it. 826 126 Wait. 862 126 5803. Download the app. Download the app. Zoom. It's on Android and Apple Stores. And on your desktops. Amen. All right. Let's write, write it on my, on my thing, my paper here next time. All right. Very good. Wednesday, Wednesday night at 9 p.m., uh, again on that Zoom, we're going to have the uh, successfully singles uh, call. They're going to have that Bible study. That thing's been on fire. We've been having great reviews. And on Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, is going to be the youth Bible study. That has been also doing very, very well. We thank the Lord for them. Next Sunday, uh, we're going to be uh, celebrating pastor's birthday So join us here for that. We're going to have a special breakfast. So we want you to come here, have your face in the place, 10 a.m. We're going to be celebrating Pastor's birthday before service. Amen? Praise the Lord. On the 16th, Sunday after service, is going to be Sisters Fellowship at Minister Delia's house. Amen? Uh, on the, on the uh, 22nd, the next generation is going to have a paint event fellowship at 3 p.m. here uh, at the uh, at the sanctuary, yeah. We're gonna tarp off the whole place. <laughs> All right. On the 23rd on Sunday at 1:30 uh, is gonna be the uh, How Kids Fellowship. So after service, your kids are gonna stay. We're gonna have a special event for them uh, to fellowship and hang out with us, and they're gonna have a good time. On Friday the 28th uh, is gonna be at 7:30 p.m. Worship night. Right? So make sure you mark off your calendars, right? It's, uh, it's going to be the end of the week, the 28th. So mark that Friday 28th at 730. Uh, have your face in the place. If you have to, now here's what you want to do on a Friday night. Parking is rough. So you want to make sure that you're going to come here early or if you have to park far and Uber uh, the couple of blocks or whatever it's going to be. Um, it's going to be uh, important that you do that. So do not come at 7.30 and look for parking because you'll be here at 8.30. Okay? So you want to start getting into the area around 7, uh, maybe 6.45 uh, around that time. But remember, people start getting home and stuff like that. So around 6.30, 
you know, plan to kind of be here, maybe grab a bite in town, grab a slice, some Chinese food or whatever you want. You can come in here, chill with us, and then we'll start the service. Amen? All right, beautiful. And on the 29th on Saturday is going to be the Young Adults Fellowship uh, with Sister Darlene at her home. Uh, amen. And see uh, Sister Araceli about that. Praise the Lord. I want to I wanna read a scripture before we collect our tithes and offerings. Um, it's important to, uh, to understand why we give. Those of us that have been giving, we've been seeing the fruits of our giving. Uh, last year, we broke records. Amen. We, in the beginning of the year, I said that 2019 was going to be a record-breaking year. And, and many of us broke records in the things that we were doing. We broke records in income. We broke records in sales. We broke records in many things that we were doing. Uh, many people that had one business opened up two. Uh, yeah, amen. Think, things, things, crazy things were happening. They were happening so fast that we didn't have a, a chance to, to do a testimony service because people were just busy doing it. Houses were being bought. Closings were happening. Okay, that we, it, it was, I'm telling you, it was happening so fast that we forgot to testify about it. Okay, we're, we're, we are organizing that information now for you uh, in retrospect to kind of tell you, okay, Let's, let's gather all the information of what happened and kind of tell you exactly how that happened to edify the church. But when the Spirit of the Lord says it's going to do something, it does exactly what it's going to do. Amen? Now, I want to share this scripture with you so you can understand how to protect what the Lord has given you. There's a scripture in Malachi chapter 3. Very well-known scripture. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing, that you will not have enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer so that, you, so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil and that your vine in the field shall not fail, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Look at that last part. It says, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. You might have broken records and started something big, but, but what good is it if the vine that you planted fails to bear fruit? What good is the business that you started if it fails to produce profit? If, if you start something and somebody's allowed to come in and crush it, if you got a new job but some manager comes in and wants to, wants to is, is determined to get you fired, what good is it if you buy a six-family house and, and, and the enemy plants a seed and you get six horrible tenants? Let's be real. What good is it if you plan a business in a neighborhood with cheap customers? You didn't think about that, did you? I want a business. I want a business. And you got a, you got a bunch of clientele, and they're all cheap. And they negotiate your prices down so you can make no profit at all. You buy a building, nobody wants to pay the rent. You go into the neighborhood, and it's very political, and they raise the taxes every year. 
It was a blessing, but the vine fails to produce fruit for you. How good is that blessing now? You got married, but you don't get along. You have children, but they don't like you. How good is that blessing now? Come on, somebody. Look how easy a blessing can turn into not so, not so much. But what if I get a property and I get tenants who always pay on time? That's a blessing. What if I have a business with clients who love to pay their contracts early? What if I get hired and I become management's go-to person? What if, what if, what if I'm the preferred? What if I go into a neighborhood who gives rebates instead of tax increases? What if, according to the scripture, when you are under covenant with the Lord, everything that is under covenant, when you tie him in, he will rebuke the devourer. The devourer is like a termite. The devourer is like, is like you build this house, but you have something eating away at the foundation, at the very structure of the house. And we want to cut every termite, every carpenter, and every, every bad thing that might come and destroy the fruit of your labor. If I have a vine, I want that thing to produce. Because what's the point of being blessed if the blessing doesn't produce fruit? What's the point of having something if it doesn't produce? Might as well get rid of it. But those who are blessed have a generous heart. We were having a meeting with the leaders and, and, and we were mentioning how I said, I said, brothers, we really gotta do something about this TV. And, uh, and, uh, and the brothers, uh, uh, Gio, Deacon Gio and, and Elder JP said, we're going we're gonna to get the TVs. Don't even bother the church. We got this. We're going to get rid of it. Thank God for that. We had a, did you notice the, uh, uh, the monitor in the lobby? Remember we had a little, a little uh, a monitor they gave us? They got, I think they gave it to, uh, to Deacon Ariane, and they, you know, it was like a, that monitor was like 200 pounds, but it did what it, what it was supposed to do. But now we put a new one, now, now we can, you know, kind of have nice slides on it and stuff like that. They got speakers now. See, yeah, big churches that got money, they don't talk like this, because they got money. But, but we came from a church where the bathroom was next to the pulpit. That, that while I was preaching, people would walk right past me, and when they started using the bathroom, I had to preach louder like this so I can drown out the urine. I'll be preaching, they'd be I'll be like, praise the Lord, everybody. Let's, let's give God a praise, everybody. I can't believe he's... The front row was here. 
and we was happy in our sardine can. Were we happy? Every, every now and then we go back there because we still have supplies uh, over there at the, at the old spot. You know, I think out of nostalgia, we don't know what to do with it. We just can't get rid of it. We just, every now and then I just go and sit there in the room and just, and just glorify the Lord and say, I can't believe, you know, what we, what we used to do here in this place. And so excuse us if we get bougie with our little two bathrooms and air conditioning. But we love what the Lord has done with us, amen? And we take ownership and we thank the Lord for everything. And so we are not taking anything for granted, amen? We are not them churches you see on TV, right? We, we, are, we are our own brand of stuff. We check our little paycheck, we cut a little money to the side, and we put it together. And all the stuff that we have, we put it together with our own hands. And I think uh, for what we have, we do very, very well. And we enjoy everything. We are real church with some real people. We cry real tears. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? And I think that's how it's supposed to be. When we love you, it's real love. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to give this morning. We're going to give. And we're going to give no special gimmick. Okay? I'm not going to tell you give is going to come back 3,000 fold. Give a dollar, $1,000 is going to come back. I ain't going to say none of that. Okay? I'm going to tell you like this. You're going to give to this church because this thing works. This thing works. Faith works. You come to this church and you get a word of the Lord that changes your life. You, you have to be responsible. You have to be responsible and say, this is working for me. This is working for me. So I need to be faithful with what the Lord is doing in my life. I have to be responsible for it. I have to contribute to the needs of the saints. I love this worship. Amen? I love the singing. I love the music. But it costs something to hear the sound. It costs something to not sing a cappella, to have instruments. It costs something to, to have the worship the way that we do. It costs something to keep changing equipment and microphones and computers and all this kind of stuff. Amen? It costs something. Last week, we were, we were, we were noticing that uh, every time you go on YouTube, there's a lag in the beginning, and then later, you know, it kind of gets, you know. We don't exactly know how to do that, you know. We don't have, like, uh, technology people, so we have to YouTube everything. So we're, like, uh, two years behind everybody else. Because everybody's so busy, so by the time we get to research it, that video is two years old, and then we figure out how to fix whatever it is that we have to fix. Amen? But I wouldn't change anything, because we do everything the hard way. We earn our money, we put it together, we fix our issues, we keep it moving. Amen? And we're going to continue to do that until Jesus comes. Praise the Lord. So let's give with a clean heart. As the Lord put in your heart... Let's give and be proud of what you are doing today. When you give, say, this is my church, and I'm giving with a clean heart. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You are the Holy One. You are 
center of my focus, Jesus. You're the lover of my soul, and I adore you only. It's all about you. Stand to your feet if you're not standing. This week we, we mourned the loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. It was a shock to the world. And though some people might, might not, not agree and some people in the Christian world think that that's yeah, not necessary. And, but the truth is, whenever there's a loss, we have to fight to explain it. Let me get my, my phone. We have to, we have to fight. <laughs> because there's always, there's always going to be a question that people want to ask. Well, why would God let something like this happen? Well, before, before you go into that thinking, first we have to pray for the family. Because uh, we, were, we were in my house and, and some of the brethren were there last week after service. And it was, it was shocking. We'd first, the first thing was denial, right? You figure what's, it, it can't happen, right? It can't happen. Because uh, it's so, you know, someone dies in their 40s, early 40s, 41 years old. Uh, it's shocking. And then the news later says that his daughter was with him. And that became even more painful. Um, us having, having ministered to 
to a cousin in the family who lost her daughter. Um, it was a, a hit and run in Newark. Um, and Caitlin had died. How old was she? She was 12. 12 years old, she died. And the family having to deal with that, and that was very devastating. Very, very devastating. She would come to church, and she was very vibrant. She was one of the, you know, always the family has a, a always a kid who brings energy to the family. And she was that. She was that child. And it made me go back and remember her earlier uh, last year. I was driving, and we heard the news that one of the Christian artist that I listened to growing up as a child, uh, Toby Mac, um, he lost his son, Truett, when he was 21, and he died of a cardiac arrest at 21. Then in October, uh, another Christian artist, Micah Stampley, lost his daughter, and she was, she was 15. And I think uh, it was because of a seizure and she had lost her life, and that was a shock. And now, uh, as of last week, we heard this situation with the Bryant family, uh, and Kobe and his daughter Gianna had passed away. And we never want to hear these things. These things are tragic. These things are painful. These things, we have to mourn them. Before we start passing blame, before we start who did this and why did this happen and all these kind of things, we have to survive them, right? The Bryant family now, they can't, they can't worry about anything other than just surviving it because they, they, can't, they can't allow themselves to die as well. They have to survive this situation. The, the Stampley family has to survive this situation. The, the, the McKinnon family has to survive that situation. Every other family that goes through this tragedy has to survive it. We ourselves, with all of our tragedies, have to survive this situation and focus on, on what, what, is, what is the plan of God that happens next. When, when Joshua lost Moses after he, he had, was raised at Moses' right hand, he became Moses' right hand, and Joshua looked to the Lord, and the Lord said, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. And so there's a continuity that we pray for uh, in the families. This moment, and when it comes to mourning, we don't ask, you know, we, we, we would love to say, well, was he saved, was he not saved? I don't think that's, that's up to the Lord, right? We don't, we don't judge. We don't, we don't know. I don't have an answer for you. But what we could do is pray. We could pray for them, and I would like to pray now. Uh, let's lift up these families that we mourn. Let's lift up the, Ma the McKinnon family, um, the Bryant family, amen, the Stampley family with all these families who are dealing with this tremendous loss and all of those who lost a child, they lost a loved one that were gone home too early. Amen. Father, we pray, Lord God, before we begin this service, a tribute, Lord God, a memorial to all those of God who went home too soon. We ask you, Lord God, that you may bring healing as these lives, Lord God, will, who are left will never be the same. But the memorial of them will stay with them forever. And I believe, Lord God, that pain will also sig signify the value that they have. So we thank you, Lord God, because sometimes those family members of those loved ones that we have lost, hmm, we still feel the pain. We have lost aunts, uncles, parents, 
Today, Lord God, when we think about them, we still cry, we still feel pain, we still shed a tear. But I believe, Lord God, those tears are justified. And I don't think we have to let go of the pain. I think that pain shows how valuable they were. I think that pain is evidence of how important they were. I think that pain shows that they're still alive in our hearts. I don't think we need to get rid of that pain. I think that pain is a memorial. I think that pain is a statue. I think that pain is supposed to be there until you return, until we unite with those, as you have promised us, that those who died in Christ, we shall meet with them again in the air. But even sadly, Lord God, those who we mourn that perhaps didn't make it to the other side, so is life. We fight, Lord God, until the last day to save the souls that we can. For this purpose, oh God, we have come to this place to learn about your gospel. Life, Lord God, can be beautiful. It can also be tragic. Give us the strength and the wisdom, Lord God, to live every single day. To live, Lord God, with the good, with the bad, with the ugliness that we have to deal with every day. You got to give us a strong stomach, Lord, to stomach these things. Give these families, oh God, strength. As we pray, Lord God, for the Bryant family, so many, Lord God, families were affected. So many fans, oh God, were affected, believers and non-believers alike. So many questions, oh God, some good, some questions here are even destructive. Give peace, Lord God, as you always do. Bring, Lord God, a resolution to those hearts, oh God, that are wavering. Bring certainty to those, oh God, that are on edge. Let these moments, oh God, bring about, Lord God, revelation to many, Lord God, who are wandering, and peace, O oh God, to those who are in the storm. Bring rest, O oh God, to the family and continuity. Help the family to survive this moment, Lord Jesus, until they go off to a safe place, O oh God. Let them mourn, Lord Jesus, appropriately to all of these families. For the gospel families, O oh God, the gospel artists, O oh God, of Micah Stampley, let him, Lord God, recover, Lord Jesus. For the Mac family, let them recover as well. Father, we bless them, though we have not met them personally. Our spirit, our heart, our desire go out for them. For we never know, Lord God, the day that we might need that prayer. We give it to them, Lord God, knowing that we are also vulnerable and susceptible for loss. We pray for our losses as well. For the moments, Lord God, the times that we have lost, the things that we have lost as well. Cover us, Lord God, with your grace, with your power, and with your love. In Jesus' name, we commend all these things. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Amen. Y'all got tired? Y'all got tired already? Y'all going to sit for a minute. Come on, come on. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Y'all can sit after this and I'll stay, I'll stay standing, I promise. One more scripture. Amen. 
give me give me some background music. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. When you have it, say amen. The scripture says, be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God. Watch this. And the peace of God, not the answers of God, Because when we pray and we give our supplication, we think the scripture says, and the answers of God. Because that's what should follow. I pray he answers. But that's not what it says. It says, I pray, I supplicate, and he gives me what? Peace is going to surpass my understanding. What is it saying? His peace is going to bypass my need for answers. Selah. Be anxious. What's causing the anxiety is my need. I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. What happened, Lord? What happened? Why? What's going on? Be anxious for nothing. Tell me everything. Let it all out. Prayer. Supplication. Give it to me, and I'm going to give you peace. And that peace is going to go over. It is going to surpass all of your understanding, and is going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He didn't say he's not going to give you the answer. What he's saying is your anxiety won't even let you understand the answer. Because God doesn't work by answer. He works by revelation. Things have to be revealed unto you. Revelation is greater than answers. Because if I just answer you something, if I say, if I give you the answer to an equation, you simply have the answer. Then I'm a calculator. If I give you the revelation, you understand the equation and how we got to the answer. I want to ask you, what do you want? You want the answer or you want to know how the process works? Because if you want me to teach you the process, you're going to have to sit down for this. If you want to learn the process, this is going to take a minute. You're going to have to sit down there and for this, you need peace. You got to calm down. You have to let me teach you. You have to let me unfold things in your life so that you never have to go through this again. So I'm going to have to bypass, surpass all your understanding with what? With the peace of God. And while I do that, I'm going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus.
So today my topic is this, decisions that will change your life. Decisions that will change your life. There are some people in this room right now, some people watching online, that you're about to make some decisions that are going to change your life. You might not know it yet, or maybe you're on the brink of it. But you might be jumping the gun without having the right tools in place. And today we're going to give you some tools so you can set things right and so you can have the right steps in place. And I'm going to teach you today how you don't have to make any more mistakes. Isn't that amazing? You ready for that? Let's pray. Father, we pray for this word today that you may open up our hearts, illuminate, Lord God, all that we need. We pray, Lord God, for your word today. Help us, Lord God, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in business, raising our children, deciding, Lord God, whether to marry or not, deciding, Lord God, whether to partner up or not, deciding, Lord God, whether to move out or not, deciding, Lord God, whatever it is that we have to do. Some people need to decide whether to accept Jesus today or not. Whatever we need to do, a decision needs to be made. Help us, O oh God, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you do me a favor? I didn't get a chance to say hi to everybody. Can you reach out and give somebody a hug and a high five and tell them you're happy to see them? Hallelujah. And when you do that, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. All right. You guys good? You sure? Okay. All right. Check it out. How many of you get anxious when you're about to make a decision? Okay. I want you to understand right off the bat, I'm going to tell you two things. Decisions are forks in the road. The, the word decision, right before decision, is a huge stop sign. Your brain is given to you by God, and it is a tool. It itself has health in it. it. In order for you to function, it has to be healthy. It is an organ, and you have to study it. You have to take care of it because it is given to you by God. The same way you have to understand that you have a heart, it is given to you by God. The average person, especially the average Christian, takes more care of their heart and is, it runs more to take care of their heart than their brain. The average human, if the doctor says uh, you have high blood pressure, we run to it. But if someone says something about your brain, you, it's so complicated that nobody really pays attention to it. And if it's a church setting, we usually say, well, that's just a devil. We're going to pray for it because anything that has to do with the brain, 
we definitely associate it to spiritual problems. And if it's spiritual, then it has to do with God or it has to do with the devil. So we kind of categorize the brain as a spiritual organ. And so we, we just kind of look for spiritual solutions for organ problems. And that is completely ridiculous because it is an organ. It is a tool. It is something that runs off of electricity. It is something that has cells, brain cells. It is, it is a mechanism. It has switches inside. It has neurons. It has inhibitors. It has things that shut off. It works like relay. So if really what your brain is is, is a tremendous uh, fuse box, is, if, if you will. It is, it is relays. It is a computer that shuts things off, uh, shuts a circuit off, lets it go, that when, when you smile, certain muscles have to go down and other muscles have to go up. It has to turn things off and turn things on. It has to go up. Some things have to go up. Some things have to go down. And in order for any movement, there's constant switches and decisions. It is so complex that not only does it have to control muscle movement that are conscious, but at the same time, it also has to control involuntary movement. It has to be able to pump your heart and make sure that your lungs is also pumping air. It has to make sure that certain things are moving. It has to make sure that your eyes are, are constantly lubricating, uh, your eyelids are constantly lubricating your, your, your eyes. It has to make sure that your tongue is, is moving and that there's, the saliva glands are working so you don't dry out your throat. It is, your body has two things going on, the muscle movement that you're conscious of and the muscle movement that you're not conscious of. Your digestive system has to move on command, and it is doing it without you even noticing. There are cells that are doing what it has to do, and the brain is in control of everything. But if the brain is affected by injury, it can mess up everything. People get Parkinson's because there's degeneration inside of the brain, and so you have movement inside of your body that your brain cannot no longer control. There are certain seizures that happen because there's injury in the brain. But then there's also emotional things that if your brain doesn't have certain chemicals in it, it can mess you up. And so you should never have any shame when it comes to the health of your brain. If you have to see a doctor, see one. If you have to see a neurologist, see a neurologist. If you have to see a psychiatrist, see a psychiatrist. Whatever you have to see, get the help that you need. Let's demystify today that your brain is only spiritual. It is a physical thing, and if you need it to be healthy, do what you have to do. You don't have to call me about it. You don't have to be ashamed about it. Get all the help that you can, because this is a year of high performance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do not be ashamed about it. If your insurance covers it, get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Make the appointment. Make it Monday morning. Go see everybody you can get. Amen? Because this is important. Right? It is important. Even if you sit with somebody so you can get educated on how things work. And maybe other communities don't have it, but, but unfortunately, the Latino community has this, has this cultural myth, right? especially religiously, those who grew up Christian and Catholic and, and, and whatnot, we have this circle around that, that you know, if, you are, uh, if something's wrong with your brain, you are crazy. And if you're crazy, it's a demonic thing. And, and, it is, and it is a curse to be crazy. So we don't say that you have mental health issues. We don't say it's a chemical imbalance. We say, está loca. <laughs> Ele loco. And if we say you're loco, that is an insult. 
you are, that is a plague, right? We don't, we don't look to, we don't look to help you. We look to ostracize you. We just put you to the side. You're crazy. We, we don't help you. We just say, you know, you belong over there. And I, and it's a disservice that we do because you can have certain things going on in your family that you don't treat because you just culturally put people to the side. So can we agree that we're not going to do that? And we're going to start to change that for our children and for the next generation. Is that cool? Okay. That being said, understand that decisions, the word decision in your brain means stop sign. Until you make a decision, you are stagnant. Until you give an order to the brain, you cannot move. Amen? So you have to decide on what to do. This is our problem because now we come into the house of the Lord and we, we don't decide because we're waiting on something. Let's talk about what is our decision and what's God's decision. Okay? There are things that God is going to decide. That is called his will. That's called his plan. He has already made his decision. We don't know his decision. My question is, do you have to wait on God before you make every decision? That's a good question, isn't it? Do I have to wait on God before I make every decision? How many dare to answer that? I'm going to give you my answer. No. I do not wait on God before I make a move. I just make the move. What I don't do is go too far ahead of myself. I understand that God is in control. So what I don't do, I don't go too far ahead of myself. I just understand I cannot stop moving. So what I do is I set for myself parameters according to rules. In other words, I have a rule book. I said, I'm going to make decision based on something. So I use what he has already said in his word. I'm going to make decision based on God's word. These are the parameters. In other words, I can make decision based on the freedom that he has given me. That's why he says anything that is pure, anything that is good, think on these things. He tells me, clearly he tells the disciples, do business until I return. He tells me clearly, until I return, I want you to go and make disciples. So I already know I don't have to wait for him to preach the gospel. I don't have to wait on God for that. I don't have to wait on God to create a family. I don't have to wait on God to find a job. I don't have to wait on God to build a career. He told me to do business until I return. So if I feel like buying a house, I don't have to wait on God to do it. I don't have to wait on God to create a family. I don't have to wait on God to build, uh, to, to, to um, if, if I want to help the community, if I want to help my neighbor, I don't have to do any waiting on that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because he has already set the parameters on the things that I need to do. Now, if there's other things within that that are more complex or things that are pivotal, I need to now restructure because these things are, are now going to affect me. These are chess moves. 
These are moves that if I do this, they can alter that over there. These are moves that are going to be changing the trajectory of my life. Now I'm going to have to require extra information. Now, I might have to do some steps, and God has now set up a different system. This is why he has given us matriarchs and patriarchs. The system that God had originally designed is for us to have fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, elders, grandmothers, great-grandmothers that pass down information from one generation to another. But what happens in our generation that we're living in, we, we have been raised by single mothers. We don't, many families don't know their grandfathers. They have died off too early. There, there is no fathers. And so where do we get this information from? So many times the church has to step in and the elders of the church have to step into this role provided that we understand our role and that the, that the family members keep the respect within the church so we ourselves have to create the family that we don't have. You understand that, right? Which means this is why we have to bring our children to the church, integrate them into the family of God, and then tie them in, and we say, this is what a man of God looks like. This is what a woman of God looks like. This is what is a brother in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we're going to look at some scriptures so you can see I'm not just making this stuff up. Amen? So you have to have parameters so that you don't have to keep second-guessing yourself. Because a lack of decision makes you stagnant. When you don't make a decision, you stay stuck. And never is it good for you to stay stuck. Even if you don't make big moves, you have to at least make a move. You know, sometimes it's good to just make a small move. Because sometimes the small move makes you closer to the bigger move. You know, sometimes if I don't know exactly where I have to go because I forgot the, the direction, and I know I'm about an hour away, what I'll do is I know more or less where I have to go, so I'll put in the GPS somewhere on the way. Because I'm at least, third, I know I'm an hour away. So I know in Route 80, I got to get to Route 80, and halfway through Route 80, I know there's a landmark, so I'll set the landmark. Because if I stop to get the perfect address, I'm going to sit there in my car waiting for a callback. So here's what I'll do. I'll set, I'll set halfway point, a cross street. Let me get there. So at least I'll be closer to where I'm supposed to be. Between here and there, I'll get the phone call. Between here and there, I'll figure out what to do. Or I'll remember, or something will come. Or at least by the time I get there, I'll remember. And guess what? By the time I get there, I get the phone call, reroute, and then I go the rest of the way. Most of the time, that's what happens to us in our lives. We, God won't sometimes give us the whole picture, but he says, I want, you to, I want you to go a quarter mile of the way. Get a little closer. Because if I just send you the whole way, you won't appreciate the whole trip. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make a decision to make a relationship with this one person. Because this one person is going to take you to meet this person. And this relationship is going to take you to this place. And this job is going to get you closer to this promotion. And this promotion is going to take you here. And if you, if you look back at your life, your life has been a series of small decisions that have led you to bigger decisions. And if you stopped along the way to say, you know what, I'm not going to move, 
until I just make one giant leap, you realize you would have lost years of your life. Staying there in insecurity, festering in anxiety, while you, it was all about making small decisions along the way. It's called a journey. And a journey is about making small stops along the way and enjoying the process. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it is important. Let's, let's read some word here. Let's go to Proverbs 11, verse 14. Very simple scripture. And I, if, if I was you, I would highlight these. I would record these, remember these. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Amen? How many believe that? Where there is no guidance, a people fail or falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In other words, there's information that you don't have that someone else has. Now, who can be the counselor? And who should not be the counselor? Because if there should be a counselor, there should also not be a counselor. Let's talk about qualified counselors. If you are married, should you be talking to divorcees about how to save your marriage? No. If you are married, should you be talking to men who are married but are angry at their spouse? No. Because they can't help it. They're going to bleed their opinion on you. They're going to talk to their wife vicariously through your situation. They're going to tell you to tell your wife what they're about to tell their wife. This is unproven strategy. They have no idea if this is going to work. And many times we ask opinions without asking them, did this work? Hello, somebody. When's the last time you interviewed the person giving you counsel? Did this work? No, we just say our problems, and then we sit there like a sheep in front of a wolf, and we say, give me an answer. Why? Because we are desperate. I need an answer. Just give me one. And we don't ask, we don't do our due diligence to say, do you know what you're talking about? Are you contaminated? Are you bitter? Is what you're about to tell me, have you ever done that before? Or are you making this stuff up? Do you have a successful relationship? Hello, somebody. If you own a business and you've been in business for 10 years, should you be getting advice from someone that has a startup? No. You need to get advice from someone that's been doing it for at least 10, 15, 20 years that has a proven track record. 
that can say, I've been where you are, and this is what I have done. And even so, it might not even work, so you have to take the information with a grain of salt. Because they're just counseling you. It's still your life. It's still your business. It's still your marriage. So if you ask somebody, you say, listen, uh, how, how many years have you been married? Okay. I'm in this situation. Have you been in this situation? What did you do and did it work? Now you're qualified to be a counselor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because, because before you give me blood, what do I have to check? Does it match? Does it match? Really, if, if, I, if, if I can't just get blood from you and just do a blood transfusion, why do we do that with advice? Just give me advice. Any, any advice. Just give me advice. Any advice. What happens? We don't do that with blood, but we do it with advice. Just give me any. I need to make a decision. Just give me any advice. Any type. A type. B type advice. O type advice. Give me anything. And what happens when you take just any type of blood? You could die. I've seen divorces because of the wrong type of advice. I've seen businesses go down because of the wrong type of advice. I've seen children leave the house because of the wrong type of advice. Amen? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, well, don't take the wrong type. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't take the wrong type. There's a right type and there's a wrong type. Ask for what type of advice is this? Am I right about it? Now, if you have abundance, if you have a blood bank of advisors that match, okay, now you're in business. So it's not an abundance of whatever counsels. It's not an abundance of foolish counselors. It is an abundance of counselors that match what you need. This is the treasure that you are looking for. And not all of your friends should be counseling you. Just because you can have a great time with them and crack open a cold one does not mean you should be listening to them. Just because they make good jokes doesn't mean that you should be listening to them. Listen to the jokes. Do not listen to their advice. Okay? If you laugh at them too much, it's probably not good for you to take advice from them. They're funny, they're comedic, but these people, you should not listen to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, this is basic information, but you know that last year you took advice from them. <laughs> Am I right about it? <laughs> Go to James. Chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. There's people who can give great advice. They don't have to be good at everything. In other words, there's people who maybe they're not successful in business, 
They're not rich. They don't do what you do. They don't have the career, right? Maybe they're not married. Maybe they don't have children. But they have the spirit of God. And you have a spiritual problem that needs spiritual discernment. That's the right person. Amen? They don't have to match everything like you. They don't have to be like you. They have to match the problem. They have to have, have that expertise. Okay? If you have a real estate problem, you have to get a real estate professional. Not just any real estate professional. The real estate professional that knows about your problem. If you need a lawyer, you have to get a lawyer that knows about your legal issue. Not every lawyer knows about every legal issue. A public defender is not going to treat you the same as your own private attorney. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here, here's, here's what I see many people do. Uh, I'll counsel them, and then by the time two weeks later, I heard that this person talked to 13 other people that have no expertise on the subject. And then you see the reguero. The mess that they have done in their lives because they took good, good counsel, medium counsel, terrible counsel, ridiculous counsel, foolish counsel, put it all together and took the sum total and did the act, split it right down the middle and that's what they decided to do. Don't do that. Why shortchange yourself because you want to be fair? Right? Well, you know, she's my friend. She, she's never actually bought a house. But she's my friend. So she says I should put 60% down. Because <laughs> she's my friend. <laughs> I want to listen to her because she's my friend, you know. He knows. He told me to put 5% because I'm going to have other expenses, you know. So I probably shouldn't use all of my capital. But she's my friend. So I'm going to split it down the middle. I'm going to put, you know, 30%. Isn't that sometimes, it sounds ridiculous, but that's what we do. We take the average because we feel good about this person because that's our friend. And then we take some of what the professional said and then we do a, a hybrid thing and then we say, all right, we're going to split it down the middle. I'm going to do some of what this person said and some of what that person said. And then I think that's right. You are absolutely going to lose. I'll tell you right now. Okay. Life doesn't discriminate. It's not, it's not enough. It's not enough to just be nice about it, okay? Somebody else is going to come dead on, and you will lose because you're trying to negotiate. A decision is a decision, and counsel is counsel. You have to do what you have to do, but you don't have to lose. So when it comes to counsel, if you want this scripture to work for you, you have to do what the scriptures ask you to do. Wise counsel, not the average counsel. Amen? The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, not the average of the people that you like. Amen? Okay, let's go to the book of James. Book of James, chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false in the truth. Hmm. 
This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want you to let that sink in for a second. We're talking about making decisions here that are going to change your life and the people that you listen to. He's saying, who is wise among you? Because it's saying that your decisions are going to be based off the people that you surround yourself with, the circle of friends, the people who influence you, the people who you allow yourself to listen to, even if they're people that you haven't met, even if they're people whose books you are reading, you still have to study the author. You still have to research, who am I listening to? What am I listening to? The Bible says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. So it's asking you a question, who is wise, who is wise in understanding and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter and jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false and true. For this is not from wisdom that comes down from above. So there's a wisdom that comes down from above that is from God, and there's an earthly wisdom. Okay, so let's talk about the two. Because you in this room, you have to decide what wisdom you are influenced by. The wisdom that comes down from above and the wisdom that comes from the earth now. Now you could, now listen to what I'm saying. Not all earthly wisdom is bad. Because we have teachers that taught us things. And you need earthly wisdom. Because you need skill. Okay, you need skill. You need mechanical skills. You need earthly skills. You need to learn how to sell. You need to learn how to, how to have discussion. You need to learn mathematics. You need to learn arithmetic. You need to learn reading, writing skills. You need to learn how to articulate. These are earthly skills. And you also need to learn how to dominate conversation. These, there is earthly wisdom. But what the Bible is talking about is the heart, the wisdom of how to deal with discernment. Okay? That when those things happen, that comes from the flesh. And the things that come from the flesh, let's read it again. It says, earthly is unspiritual. And is demonic. For where there's jealousy and selfish ambition existing, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, and full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's break this down. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest of righteousness. Amen? Harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. This is a beautiful thing. What it's saying is there is a difference between the people who have the wisdom of God, that it comes from above. Then when you speak to them, the first thing that happens is peace. So when the scripture says, do not be anxious for nothing, but everything in prayer and thanksgiving, 
Then it says that the peace will come over you. That's what happens when you talk to a man and woman of God. So when you make decisions, the first thing that comes over you, you can have peace over the decision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because more important than making a good or bad decision is making a decision at all. Because not making a decision keeps you stagnant. And what reward is there for doing nothing? Nothing. Even if you make a move and it's the wrong move, at least you can change. If I start moving, have you ever moved? Have you ever, have you ever started moving? This happened to me the other day. Uh, the GPS got stuck, but I made a decision to start driving anyway. And then when the map recal recalibrated, I realized I was going the wrong way. Guess what I had to do? I had to turn around. I'd rather turn around than have just been stuck there. Because at least I was moving. What would you rather do? Be stuck in life or have to make a little U-turn every now and then? It's all right to have to make a U-turn. It's okay. But at least you're moving. I don't know about you, but I'd rather take the long way than be stuck in traffic. How many of you are like me? I'd rather drive an extra five minutes than stay there on the bridge, sitting there in traffic. I don't know about you. I don't like idling. I'd rather have to spend a little more extra gas and just move. I want to move. I want to move. I want to move. And movement is what the Lord created you for, not to just be sitting there. Nothing happens when you sit there. And wise counsel is going to make you move. And sometimes God is calling you to be that wise counsel. That's why you're sitting here today. You thought I was calling you because you thought that this was about your decisions. But God is calling you to be the one that helps other people make decisions. You thought that today was about learning how you can make decisions. No, today's about you being unselfish. Today's about maybe you're the one that's called to be a good person. Because somebody needs to make a decision in their life. And they're about to change some things, and they need a good person in their corner that's not going to betray them. They need a good person in their corner that's not going to change their mind about them, that's going to be there for them. Maybe there's a child in your life or a nephew in their life that needs you to change to be there for them. Because, you know, the easiest way for me to change is to follow you out of the hole. All I need you to do is don't betray me when I get out of the hole. Don't change on me when I get out the hole. Because if you, if you lead me with wisdom, according to this, but the wisdom from above first is pure, which means I can trust you. Then it's peaceable, which means if I trust you, I, I don't have to have anxiety. I don't have to keep worrying about betrayal. Gentle. I know you're not going to hurt me. Open to reason means I know you're not going to judge me. You're open to reason. You're flexible. I can share my ideas with you, and, and I know you're not going to bite me. Full of mercy means when I do have a stupid idea, you're not going to kill me for it. Good fruits. Impartial. Impartial means you're not going to treat me with a bias. You're not going to treat me with a bias. You're, you're not going to treat me this way because, because you're racist or you're a bigot. 
You're impartial. You tell me this because this is you. You're not telling me this because you're Republican, you're Democrat. You're impartial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Good fruit, impartial, and you're sincere. That what you're saying, it, you're saying out of your heart. Even if you think something different, you're sincere with me. Can I ask you a question? Can you be that today? If I have to make a decision, can I count on you? If I have to come to your house at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I got to make a decision, and I ring on your door, Brother Valentino, I said, Brother, I got to make a decision. I need, I need wisdom from you that is pure, peaceable, gentle, impartial. Can you give me some? Brother Rudy, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm waking you up. Can I get something from you that's peaceable, that has good fruit? Sister Inger, can I call you at 2 o'clock in the morning and get something good that's impartial? Can I get some sincere advice? Come on, somebody. Brother Hope, can I call you in the middle of the night and wake you up? And without you thinking about it, can goodness come out of your heart? Can we call you in the middle of a work day while you're distracted and goodness pour out of you? While you're frustrated, can you stop the frustration and let goodness pour out of you. This is what I'm talking about. Because I need to make a decision that's going to change my life. But the rules are, I need wise counsel. But I can't find nobody. So the scripture says, when the Lord returns, will he find faith on the earth? Where the good people at? There's no shortage of people. There's a shortage of good folks. That, we, that can give good counsel, that we can trust. I don't care so much. Listen, it's not even that much important, I'll be honest with you. What's more important than you being successful is that you being good. Because good you take with you to heaven. Nobody's get buried with their money. That's for real. You don't get buried with nothing Maybe with the clothes, your nicest suit, maybe they bury you with that. The box, you've never been in that box before. That plot of ground, you've never been in there before. You don't own that. They just got it for you. That's all you get. But the Bible says the works go on with you. What you did, who you became, and the decisions that you make. The works that you did, all that goes with you. That's your memorial. So I want to ask you a question today. Who is wise among you? Think about it. Who's wise among you? Now, here's what you're saying. Pastor, I don't know. I want to tell you something right now. You can change today. 
you can make a decision. You can make a decision. I made a decision to be that for you. How do you make a decision? The Bible says, put away the old man. Put him away. Put away the old woman. Put away malice. Put away selfishness. Put it away. And you can put it away. We put it away for our own children. We put it away for those who we love. I'm asking you, if the Lord asks you to open up your heart to more people, could you do it? If the Lord asks you to open up your heart and say, instead of your five people that you decide, could you open up your heart to more? If the answer is yes, then I think we're in business. Because there's some people here that need ministry. There's people that need hugs. There's people on your job. How, do you know how many people were camped outside the crash site where Kobe Bryant died? All those people hurting. Nobody there to hug them. It wasn't, wasn't even their family. And these people were broken and hurting. You know what they needed? They needed ministry. They didn't need answers. They were suffering at that site because of their own pain. Revisiting pains from the past. They were broken because they had dreams shattered. Why would somebody mourn someone that wasn't even related to them? You know how many people you go to work with? You see their face and they're broken. Who's going to help them get over it? If you become this person, this is the decision that's going to change your life. This decision right here. Now, what makes a difference is that you have to be a child of the covenant. So the first decision you have to make is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because once I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior in my life, then I can become the man who has the wisdom from above. The woman that has the wisdom from above. Because I cannot have wisdom from above unless I belong to him. Once I have covenant with him, then I can have his wisdom. How many believe that? I want you to stand to your feet. Who is wise among you? Who's wise enough to say, Lord, I need you today. I can't afford to give foolish wisdom to my family. I'm a mother. I can't afford to make foolish choices. I'm a father. I can't afford to make foolish choices. I'm a business owner. I can't afford foolish choices. I can't make foolish decisions. I'm a student. I can't make no more foolish decisions. My life and my career is on the line. I'm a young man. I can't make foolish choices. I'm a young woman. I can't make foolish decisions anymore. I got a couple of years before I go to college. I can't make any more foolish decisions. 
I can't afford it. I need wisdom from above. Who is wise among you? That will step up and say, I need wisdom from above. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to share with you one more scripture while you're standing. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Isaiah 30, 22 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right, and when you turn to the left. The prophet Isaiah said this after he had prophesied that the Lord would make a special covenant with the people. He said, when you walk in special covenant with the Lord, you'll be walking and he'll whisper in your ear, go to the left, go to the right. He'll influence you. And give you wisdom. Now he said this while they were in covenant. They later broke the covenant. And they can no longer hear. But once you enter covenant with the Lord. He gives you discernment. And the first thing that comes. He downloads his wisdom in your heart. That wisdom is not just for you. It's for all those who come near to you. I want to ask you a question today. How many people around you need wisdom from above? I want to tell you, God wants to deposit wisdom in you so he can bless everyone in your proximity with the, with the wisdom from above. But you have to be the one that keeps yourself pure. People need to hear a voice that is pure, that is impartial, that is not prejudiced, that is not bigoted, that is open-minded, that is open to reason, the Bible says. How many of you need a voice like that in your life? Raise your hand. I don't even need somebody that listens, that doesn't judge you, that listens to you, that gives you reason, helps you think. I need someone like that. God is saying, I know you need it. I want to give it to you, and I want you to be it. How about that? I'll give it to you, and I want you to be it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, give us the anointing. The anointing is here right now. The anointing is here right now. Glory, 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 glory. I feel the anointing in this room. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Saturate this place, Lord. Saturate this place. Saturate this place. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Every head bow, every eye closed. Let the glory of the Lord fill this place. For every family, Lord God, that's suffering.
there has to be a wise one. There has to be a wise one among us that can make sense of everything. For every tragedy, there has to be a wise one among us that can make sense. For every decision we have to make, there has to be a wise one among us that can take away the pain. For every decision, we need someone to help us with the anxiety. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus to raise up wise men, raise up wise women that can coach us through the moments of pain and suffering and anguish in our lives. Father, we pray, Lord God, that your anointing may be strong with us today. That the power of the Holy Ghost may saturate our hearts. That we may put away, Lord God, selfish ambition and selfish thinking. I pray in this moment that you may rise up, Lord God, a standard of men and women that can be impartial, that can be good-hearted, good fruit. Men and women, Lord God, of clear thinking. Men and women that can create good seed according to the word of God that we have read today. That can show us the standard of what you think without judgment, Lord God. Without, Lord God, bringing about their own opinion, but being open to reason. That can listen and give, Lord God, counsel according to the word of God that don't put words in your mouth that don't interpret incorrectly the word of God but can divide the word of truth according to what you have said we need these men we need these women to coach us through tumultuous times for we're in rough times Lord God we need Christian artists that can sing in truth. We need rappers that can rap in truth. We need Spanish artists that can speak the truth. We need preachers to preach the truth. We need authors to write the truth. We need intercessors to pray in truth. We need worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. We need leaders to lead with the wisdom from above, not the demonic wisdom of the earth. Not the earthly wisdom. We need the one from above. The unselfish, loving wisdom of Jesus Christ. And if there be somebody that needs to make a decision to make covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ right now, if you're in this room or watching online, I want you to repeat these words after me. And I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I receive you in my heart. I call you my Lord and my Savior. I recognize that you died for me and you rose again. And from this day forward, I live for you. And I call you Jesus, my Christ my Lord and my Savior today I receive my salvation in Jesus name amen amen if you believe that 
Welcome to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the Lord.